1: On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or
0: restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.
1: The content of today's episode goes largely around a conversation that I have with a client of mine about binge eating. And it was interesting because I I had this like kind of like... Um, I don't know my own like personal come to Jesus moment when I was having <laughs> when I was having the session with this client because we were talking about binge eating and I think it was interesting because she kept like they kept talking about how um, but how they just couldn't control themselves around certain things and they did binge eating like uh, treatment in the past like they had done it but it didn't didn't talk about the relationship with food which I think everyone who's listening. I hope at this point, you know, that the relationship with food is like the main point of, of like, why you wanna around the treatment that you wanna get. But it was interesting because how we got into the conversation is we were talking about how some goals that, 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 that they had. And one of the goals that they had was they didn't understand why sometimes they, they would feel like um, they would do quote unquote really well with certain things like um, going to the gym and like before they went to the gym, they would do these like certain types of rituals. Like, you know, they'd make themselves the breakfast and they'd have this meal and it was like very thoughtful and mindful. And they liked that. And they said, I don't know what happened because then after they would end up feeling like, well, if I deviated from all the thoughtfulness, then it became kind of like, um, it like, To them, it negated everything. And I think that for most people listening, most people can kind of relate to that, like feeling like if you didn't stick to something perfectly, then it ends up being kind of like, well, what was the point? But it was interesting. So we were talking about, I then started kind of like diving into like, well, what was the difference between what you did before versus what you did afterwards. And um, she was like, well, it was really thoughtful. Like I was thinking about what I was gonna eat and I prepared it and all this stuff. And I go, well, did you think about what are you gonna have afterwards? And, and she said, yeah, I thought about what I was gonna have afterwards and I went and I got it and whatever. And, and so the main difference that we kind of identified was the type of food, which was really interesting to me that I, I kind of showed like, well, the mindfulness wasn't enough, right? Because we didn't talk about the belief structure that we have around certain types of food. And that's why I jokingly said to them, no one complains about binge eating arugula. Or no one calls us and says, hey, I just had the biggest ass salad of all time, I overate. And now I feel awful about it. And I have so much shame around eating a whole head of lettuce. Like, no one's ever called me and done that. But they do call me and say, I feel bad because I ate a whole bag of gummy worms. You know, and it's like, okay, well, what's the difference between arugula and gummy worms? And it comes down to what we think about the food and like where we categorize that food. And that's like, to me, like having this, this that to me like really drove home the idea of when we feel kind of out of control around certain foods, whether you're binge eating it, overeating it, restricting it, whatever it is, that's your that's your own personal pattern around it. The thing that I think we all tend to forget or that we don't draw conclusions back to is what we think about those foods. All we think about is our behavior around them and how we don't feel like we have control around it, but we don't think about as much of like, um, well, do I think this is about other foods or is it just this one? Why is it okay that I have a big ass salad, but it's not okay if I have a big ass bowl of potato chips? Like, where's the difference? What are like, what's the difference between the two things? And no one draws those, those two thought, those, those thought patterns together. So again, no one's complaining about binge eating arugula, but can you binge eat arugula? Absolutely. Absolutely. You can, but we don't feel guilty about it. We don't feel shame about it. And we don't talk about it. We think of it as having a healthy lunch. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's, difficult. Uh, yeah. it's difficult because, and you know,
0: this is one of the things and one of kind of the shortcomings that we have talked about, about um, inpatient eating disorder treatment before. Right. In that a lot of the time, the only thing that they have the capacity to do is just the triage. Right. It's like, let's make sure you're eating. But one of the reasons why people will relapse or end up back with the same behaviors that they had before is because the beliefs around either body size or certain food are not able to be addressed because maybe the facility doesn't have the capacity or the time or, you know, that's just not a part of their program, right? But so, right, so when we're talking about binge eating here or, you know, anyone who identifies as binging or having binge behaviors, right, this doesn't mean that you have to be diagnosed with binge eating disorder. And we have had uh, episodes about a year ago um, on this. So if you want to learn more about like binge eating versus binge eating disorder, what is overeating and everything like that, we'll link those in the show notes. But like Christina was saying, the guilt and shame around that you feel around binge eating or overeating or whatever it is is based on what you believe about the food most of the time that the food is bad the food is unhealthy the food is you know fill in the blank and how you think other people might judge you for your behavior around that food and less about the actual behavior of eating in large quantities binge eating overeating right Most of the time, we're only qualifying an event as binge eating or overeating if the food in question that we're engaging with falls into one of these categories of, let's say, a more negative belief about that food. And so when we're looking to, because we always are, right, from a functional integrative approach, which is what Christina and I specialize in, right, we can't just do the triage, right? If you really want to understand where the behavior is coming from and see how we can kind of mitigate that behavior going forward without any shame or judgment right you have to figure out well what is the root of this belief right like where is the impetus for this behavior coming from and you have to understand that if you want to get yourself out of this binge restrict cycle or even understand where these behaviors are coming from because otherwise you're just going to be stuck in this kind of self-fulfilling prophecy
1: Mm -hmm. yeah because if you don't like i one of the things that i was thinking about when when you were talking was around the idea of like um we're always meeting up with curiosity so we know that the opposite of of like uh judgment is going to be being curious and we're often not curious about why we're engaging in certain behavior. We're, we're typically, especially with, if we're cyclical cyclically, I don't know if that's a word like in a pattern where we're going from, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of restricting these foods, or I have beliefs around these foods. I think also another caveat is you don't act, you don't have to be actively restricting anything to fall into this category either. It can be just how strong your belief system is around them. And so I think one of the things that it's like this, like, again, like this self-fulfilling prophecy where we don't get curious. We continue to get judgmental about ourselves. We feel a lot of guilt. We feel a lot of shame. We worry what other people are going to think about us so that we hide it even more, which makes the food even feel like have even more power over you because then you think, okay, now I've I kind of reiterated and I've shown myself over and over again that whenever I have this item, my behavior feels chaotic. my behavior feels out of control or it feels um, you know, like having like a like a um what's the word I'm looking for like I don't know like a an addictive like quality <laughs> potentially someone might some people might say um but then, but if you don't identify with with why it's those foods over other foods then you're you're missing a huge opportunity to look at it from the perspective of okay now what okay why do I, why did i feel this way about this food but not this food why is it okay for me to eat tomatoes but not okay for me to eat a cookie why am I, or like having five tomatoes in the salad, you know, and then versus whatever. And I'm using these foods only because, not because we have some written beliefs about them, but mainly because most people tend to have thoughts about certain foods, meaning certain things and other thing like other foods, like packaged or carbohydrates are like the main thing that we hear about all the time. And I think, especially now, like the reason why we want to use this too is isn't it like the perfect time to start talking about candy and cookies? And we just wrapped up Halloween um, this week. And the way we probably that probably we... have
0: a lot of candy flying There's... around. Yeah. Maybe not if you had some kind of, you know, binge over the weekend because you set a lot of rules around candy. Um, if that happened, again, try to lean out of the judgment and lean into, huh. Let's think about why that might have happened from a curiosity standpoint and an information gathering standpoint of, okay, what was the series of events or thought patterns that led me to this point? Wouldn't recommend doing that immediately during or after a binge. (laughs) This is more (laughs) of a reflective piece that you can do when you're in a more safe and calm space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think also too, one of the like, what I think we should talk about as well is that people are going to say... You might be thinking to yourself, okay, Christina and Dana, but they're not the same foods. There are different things about them. There's different qualities around them. Like, so how do you then reconcile that when there are distinct differences in the nutritional profile of certain types of things, too, and build and kind of build that up? And how do you then neutralize it from that perspective? I think one of the things that the first thing that I think about is that, that it really like, as much as it has everything to do with our beliefs around the food, it has so much to do about the way that we approach those foods too. And this is where we, we tend to have this scarcity around it. Right. And so, and and when we have that, the more we pull back and I'm not going to allow myself to have that or I have really strong beliefs around candy versus cucumbers or I was actually telling Dana earlier that I was like pork chops, you know, <laughs> it was like an example. Like no one's going to no one's gonna call me up and say, I binge ate a bunch of pork chops tonight. Like, whoa, <laughs> I can't handle pork chops. Um, but I think one of the things that you can think about is, is... When we have these certain types of thoughts about certain foods and beliefs that we have around them, or there are differences in nutritional profile around certain types of stuff, I want you to think about what things, what, how am I approaching that? Am I approaching it from a restrictive or scarcity type mindset? Because you don't have to be actively restricting that food. It can honestly be your belief around it and a limitation that you're putting on yourself internally. Like I think one of the things that Dan and I have talked about in the past, I'm sure on a podcast, um, maybe even the overeating one, but um, that we'll link to in the show notes is the concept of the threat of future restriction is another big piece too. And so I think one of the things that we can, you can think about a little bit is Okay yes, these foods might have different nutritional profiles. Does everything I eat have to have a certain nutritional profile? No, we'll answer that question for you right now. No.
0: Sounds like a restrictive diet to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, sounds like we're restricting. And then also too, then at that point as well, it's like, okay, then I am going into this with a little bit of a scarcity. And then I am going into this thinking, a certain way about certain types of foods. And I'm judging myself around how I interact with those things. And so that's when those behaviors start to come up where it can feel like we can't trust ourselves around them or they're bingy or we are hiding those behaviors in front of other people. Like this is when we... You know, on Thanksgiving, we tell ourselves, well, I'm only going to have one slice of pie in front of everybody because I don't want anyone thinking that I'm having too much or doing anything like that. So we've set in this restrictive scarcity type mindset, with that food. And then later we sneak downstairs after everyone is, you know, passed down on the sofa and turkey coma. We go back into the kitchen and have three more slices of pie when no one's looking. When had we got into the meal originally saying, I'm going to allow myself to have what I want to have and to hell with everybody else, (laughs) like what everyone else thinks, I'm listening to my own body. They're listening to their own body. Cool. Everyone's doing their own thing. And then I think it'd be interesting to test out how you interact with that food moving forward. When you remove some of the forbidden fruit, self-fulfilling prophecy type stuff where it's like, okay, I'm not gonna allow myself to have it. I think it'd be really interesting to, to be able to do that. And I think that's the whole point around no one complains about binge eating arugula is that we have certain beliefs around certain foods. And if we allowed ourselves the same freedom that we had around certain types of foods and could neutralize them more. I would imagine that the way you'd interact with it, your behavior would potentially change.
0: Yep. Um, I want to bring up one caveat here because you guys know, I love to talk about the nervous system. So <laughs> <laughs> depending <No. laughs> on your family home environment what your environment's going to be like around the holidays right it might not feel like a safe situation in which to give yourself space to approach these foods with curiosity because there is so much judgment around you right in that case I actually would not recommend really trying to lean into this too much at the Thanksgiving table or something like that because You are already in what could feel like an unsafe situation. There might be a lot of judgment around you, even if you're trying to actively combat that. That's not going to feel great, right? Because the last thing that we want to do with foods that already don't feel like they're in a super safe space, even if you were just eating them on your own, in that environment, your nervous system is on fire, right? You're already in fight or flight. Your body is not primed to rest and digest those foods all the way. So then you might have a negative, for example, you know, gut reaction or some symptoms or something like that. And then you might think yourself into, oh my gosh, I can't have these foods because I have these symptoms, right? It might not be the food at all, but your nervous system response to the environment around you and your beliefs around that food that is contributing to those symptoms, right? So If that is the case, and everyone has their own, you know, family, friend, whatever dynamics of the people that you'll be seeing around the holidays, if that's the case, we still want you to try to change your beliefs around those foods and try to interact with those foods in a less judgmental, more curiosity-driven way, but maybe you do that on your own, right? Maybe you do that in an environment that you construct to be safer, right? And there are many, many different ways that you can do this. Christine and I work with our clients one-on-one to do this all the time, right? But one of the reasons that we wanted to bring this conversation up, like Christine was saying, is we are in the thick of the holiday season now, right? And this brings a lot of complications with our relationship with food and especially with binge eating because the period of the holidays themselves kind of have this built-in scarcity mindset of most of the time, pumpkin pie, apple pie, all these kind of, you know, traditional holiday foods that you might have in your family are most of the time not readily available most of the year. So when you get to the holiday table and you have, you know, whatever fill in the blank thing is that you've been eating since you were a kid, or maybe it's something new, it can feel like a little bit of a restrict binge cycle because those things just aren't available the rest of the year. So you want to have As much of the food that you enjoy as possible. And that can feel like a frantic, kind of uncontrollable urge to continue to eat these foods, especially because if there is only a finite amount, it can feel like you're fighting with your siblings and your family and everybody to get the last piece of the pie or something like that. Further, when we have this threat of future restriction like Christina was mentioning that we have talked about on the podcast before there's this looming threat of January of oh my (laughs) gosh I'm gonna have to do all of these things to quote you know fix my behaviors or everything that I've been eating during the holidays and it's all going to be gone come January so we tend to head into the might as wells right like oh, I had, you know, a piece of pie or I had a piece of candy or whatever, you know, I might as well just, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater and get it all out of my system now because we're just going to restrict come January. Hopefully, if you've been with us for long enough, you know that you don't have to do those things in January in order to, you know, feel better or incorporate health-promoting behaviors or however you want to qualify it. But at the same time, we understand why the... Impetus is there because there are so many factors that are going into the holidays that make them so much harder than the rest of the year, even when it's supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year for most people or for a lot of people and for various reasons, it really doesn't feel that way, especially (laughs) if you've ever had any troubles with your relationship with food. There is so much anxiety going into the holidays and going into holiday meals and everything for this reason. Then I'm going to let Christina talk because I've been talking for a while, is um, we have a bunch of previous podcast episodes where we've gone into things like this and we'll link all of those in the show notes. Um, The first one that's coming to mind is how to prepare for holiday food and body talk, which is something we did last year. We also had a freebie that went with that episode that you can print out or keep on your phone. So when you get into those awkward conversations or anticipate those awkward conversations about weight or diets or food or bodies or whatever around the holiday holidays, you have different ways to circumvent or put a big stop sign in those conversations. So we'll link that in the show notes, too.
1: Well, I like everything you said. I allowed you to keep going. I loved it. <laughs> You're <laughs> like, go off. Lord knows I can ramble for a while. Mm. So so that was not rambling. I want to make that clear. So anyways, one of the things that I was thinking about when when you were talking about the the might as well halves and the future restriction, especially come January, and then at the same time, people kind of feeling like, well, how do I go into that meal? Like, what's it? How can I practice in a safe way if I don't feel safe around my family, around who I'm going to be around, around neutralizing some of those foods? What can I do instead? And one of the things that I think you could do to kind of self-protect without um, maybe having to try to neutralize the food itself, if that feels a little too aggressive or overwhelming for you, is to try to neutralize January. Instead of thinking about this food is going to be like, I'm going to allow myself to have as much as I want. I'm going to honor my body's cravings and I'm going to do all the things or whatever, if that feels really scary instead say to yourself i'm i don't have to make up for anything come january i don't have to change my behavior all of a sudden i don't have to cut any of these things out come you know come the new year i don't have to engage in that type of that that type of new year's resolution type vibe i don't have to do that type of thing these foods are always available to me I can have this again. I can do those types of things that you can say to yourself. And then you can, again, observe personally, internally, on your own. How am I interacting with it? Do I feel differently about it? Am I going into the meal a little bit different? How am I feeling? Am I feeling a little bit more protected for myself against some of the comments that might be coming up? How am I feeling overall? How can I, you know, all those types of things start to come up, I think, naturally. But I think, if we can't change the, the way we are about the food, like Dana's saying, it's not safe for you. And like, it might end up kind of being like five steps back. Think about the future. Play into the future restriction. If, you, if you're having those types of thoughts, try to neutralize those. Try to think about, I don't have to do anything tomorrow that's different. I can, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to eat. I'm going to come January and I'm going to continue to eat. And I'm going to do all these different things, t- and I'm going to do those types of things and see how you feel, and see if your behavior around the certain foods feels a little bit more um, easeful and less chaotic, less anxious, less uncontrolled, and see how like it unravels from there for yourself and then go home afterwards and go in your own little private corner and think about it and reflect and see what came up for you.
0: Yeah. And one thing that we want to reiterate as well, and we talk about this all the time with our clients is the goal that we're aiming for is not measured by never having any of these thoughts ever again especially during the holidays right you could have a most of the time completely neutral relationship with food and because the holidays are so hard during you know sitting down at the table you might have a like ooh, like am I a little bit more full than I like should I really have had that what about dessert like I'm not really hungry you know like oh am I gonna have to make up for this tomorrow you might still have some of those thoughts occasionally. The difference is, one, those thoughts will be fewer and farther in between, right? Or farther between. And then also, there's less of an urge to act on those thoughts the next day, right? There's less of a... Motivation to be like, oh my gosh, I have to quote, make up for this, right? Or I have to go for a run tomorrow, or I have to not eat breakfast, or I have to, you know, all of the compensatory behaviors and thoughts that we have basically made a to do list of in our head while we're sitting at the Thanksgiving table. Cause I can tell you right now, that used to be me, right? It would be like, oh, I would, you know, restrict and then, you know, you binge on Thanksgiving and then literally while I'm sitting at the table still with my family, oh my gosh, here are all the things that I need to do to quote make up for this. We have come so far, (laughs) y'all. Seriously. And like what what we want for all of you, like Christina was saying, is to have the thought that one – When you go into those holiday meals or more stressful situations, one, you have a game plan to stay in your own little mental world. You don't have to worry about other people. Or if you do, you have these, you know, mental shields up or a plan going into it. And then when you're sitting down, you're actually eating the foods. You can just enjoy them. The foods are just foods. They'll be there tomorrow. You know, it is such the holidays are such a different experience when you have food neutrality. Because there's so much less stress. You enjoy the holidays so much more. And you know what's so interesting? Is they become so much less about the food. Because the food is just there. You still enjoy the food. You can still look forward to the foods. And the things that you don't get to have most of the year. But you start to notice that so much less of your brain space. If we think about a pie chart. Is taken up by food. And the thoughts of controlling food. Or food controlling you. It's almost like. Where did all of this space come from? And I had this much space before. Before the thoughts of food started controlling you. Before the compensatory behaviors came in. Before all of these what we could call disordered thoughts. But they don't seem disordered because they're so normalized. We're going to talk about that on another episode coming up soon. But when you get to the point of more food neutrality than where you are now. It is so much more enjoyable. And every year that you intentionally think about this more and work on it, every year it'll get easier. So even if this year is hard, you can think about, okay, well, next year won't be as hard as long as I just keep trying. What I equate this to is kind of like a bad hangover, right? When you wake up and you feel awful at least you can tell yourself, or if you're really sick, you're like, well, at, le- at least I know it'll be better tomorrow. Like it feels awful today, but like we're heading towards the light. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah. I'm not going to feel this way forever. You know, it's interesting too, that I was thinking about one of the things that I, when we talk about the future restriction and the compensatory behaviors and that neutralization that we're, we want for all of you guys. And I, God, if we could just implant it into your brains, we would. For the love of God, I would love to do that, but we can't. But one thing that we can do and that you can do is bring a lot more compassion. So one of the biggest things for why we feel so shitty and feel like we have to do compensatory behaviors is because of the way that we talk to ourselves when we have foods based off of certain beliefs that we have right wait it's that guilt and shame that feels so icky right but if we go into it and we instead if we go into the into the meal into the holidays into you know our our kids Halloween candy and say I'm gonna have some and I'm not gonna beat myself up about it I'm gonna enjoy it and I'm going to even if there's like a part of you that's like deep down inside that's still saying you caved you caved you caved you can still say but that's okay and that's giving yourself a layer of compassion whereas before it would be it's not okay you're shitty for doing that how can you keep doing this to yourself Get your act together. Why are you stealing your kids' candy? Why am I doing this? I'm such an ass. You know, all of the things that you think about is all those shame stuff that then makes you feel and makes the compensatory behaviors so alluring because it makes us feel less shitty about ourselves because we've come up with a plan to get out of it. But if instead of coming up with a plan to quote unquote get out of it, we instead said, hey, this happened and I'm not an asshole because of it. I'm a human being who didn't have access to my favorite holiday pie that is only available this time or my dad's and stuffing. I love the stuffing that my dad makes. Like I don't have access to it all the time. The more that you think to yourself. I'm not a bad person because I did this or because I had this thing, or this says nothing about me as an individual. It makes the compensatory behavior behaviors feel more like a prison than they feel like an outlet, (laughs) you know, because you don't need to, like you don't need to make up for anything. You didn't do anything wrong, you know, like any of the, like we're led to believe that we are because of these beliefs that we have about those foods. And even if we don't feel neutral towards those foods, we can still meet ourselves with a level of compassion about them. And I think that's like the first stage. You can still say, hey, it's okay. This happened. So I binged on this. Okay, I'm going to be compassionate towards myself. And later when it feels less raw, I'm going to go back and I'm going to reflect on maybe what happened and led to led that led to it.
0: So you all know we love to get practical and to leave you with some things to think about and do, right? Because we're all doers here. Um, (laughs) So a couple or two main action items, right? The first one is go through your social media feed. Anybody who makes you feel like you shouldn't be eating certain things during holidays or there's certain things you need to do to compensate for eating or blah, blah, blah. If you see any of the, this is how many burpees you need to do to make up for blah, blah, blah. Unfollow that person. I don't even care who they are. They could be your best friend. Just mute them. You don't need that kind of negative energy in your life, right? We won't even go into how that's scientifically inaccurate. That's for another day. But the other thing that we want you to think about that is more um, based on the conversations that we've been having in this episode, right, is we want you to think about going into the holidays, right? And this can be for year round, this can be during the holidays, wherever you want to think about this. And you can, if you want to pause this episode, write this down on your phone, wherever you want to do it. It's a good idea to get this out on paper, on your phone, whatever. So then you can see because you need a visual for this. Think about first, what foods do you tend to restrict or have the most rules or shoulds or shouldn'ts around, right? Second category. What foods do you tend to binge on? This is why it's important to write this down. Because you'll notice this isn't so much a Venn diagram as an equals sign, (laughs) right? Like most people, and you'll see if we tend to use, uh, you know, holiday foods, it's like pie and mashed potatoes and stuffing and blah, 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 and like all of the different things, sugar, carbohydrates, treats, however you want to classify them, because there tend to be in most diet circles, the most rules around these foods, Right. And then what we can start to see going way back to the beginning of the episode is the guilt and shame that we tend to have around these foods is based on the beliefs that we have around those foods. So what we can start to identify, and this is a great thing to talk about with your therapist or Christina or I, if you work with us or, you know, whoever it is start to work on what are the beliefs that I have around these foods why do I feel like I'm supposed to be restricting them right because the more that you can neutralize those foods the less you're going to binge on them right the less you're going to feel out of control this kind of compulsion to eat them to a place where you feel extremely uncomfortable which then brings in the guilt and shame
1: yeah and I think if you're leading into the holidays and you feel a certain way about certain, like the holidays feels especially like, oh, like, like you have that feeling about it, do this for just what's going to be available. Like if that's what is doing it for you and you're feeling kind of anxious about the upcoming, you know, Thanksgiving meal or a holiday that's coming up for a religious holiday or whatever, or your office party or what have you. Write down those things specific for those. What might be available that I feel a certain way about or that I feel like says about me too? I think that's also another layer that I think would be important is what do you think if people see you eating it, what do you think it says about you is another layer of the what do I believe about these foods. You know, And I think having it geared towards that, and then if you're working on your relationship with foods and you have like a, this binge restrict cycle all the time, instead, then open it up to a broader category. It's probably very similar, but if you want to handle just the holidays first, because that feels more accessible and it also feels more urgent right because you're going to the the gathering and all the things then do this before you go and then i think if you want to it'd be really helpful to write down some things that you can do to neutralize those foods what are some things that you can say to yourself to to take some bring some compassion take some of the guilt and shame away that you can remind yourself if you need to step away and go outside for a second and get a breather and say to yourself, what I eat says nothing about me. There's no morality around these foods. I'm not a bad person for enjoying a second helping of mashed potatoes, you know, or, or um, I'm not a bad person for this or this food isn't always available to me so there is going to be some natural built-in scarcity, and I'm okay with that. Like I know that that's going to happen, and I'm not going to beat myself up about it this year. I'm going to acknowledge it, and I'm going to keep on walking. And I think having some place, some things like that for yourself that you can share for on your own in the those private moments when you're feeling overwhelmed, would be really helpful for you to to have available because everybody's not listening to this episode and everybody's bringing their shit to the table and some people the way they're going to handle it is they're going to talk about it out loud and they're going to say all the things that you're thinking that you're trying really hard not to think about they're going to talk about and you're going to need a way to step out and Walk away for a second and gather yourself and you need to have your own level of armor for yourself and the things that you're going to say to remind yourself. Keep my eyes on my own plate. I'm not a bad person for having second helping, like second, thirds, whatever it is that you're having. I'm not a bad person. This says nothing about me. My body size says nothing about me. I don't need to prove anything to anybody. Whatever it is that you need to say, you need to have that have that on lock and available and ready to go that you can go back to and look at lock
0: screen on your phone.
1: Yeah. Seriously. Like tap. Oh God. There it is. Thank you. And like, you know, and then when people say things to you, you can just, you can literally just change the subject, but we have a whole other thing about that. But I think having something available for yourself to come back to really quick in those moments to, bring you back to your compassion so that you don't go down someone else's guilt and shame spiral is going to be really important
0: yeah i we say this every year but remember people who do say things that seem very harmful to you it is just a projection of their own beliefs and insecurities um just remember that on a lighter note, I think of the TikTok sound, not my circus, not my monkeys, not my circus, not my monkeys. Just keep thinking about (laughs) that. (laughs) And hopefully that helps. Um, Maybe put it on your phone background. Not my circus, not my monkeys, not my circus, not my monkeys.
1: (laughs) And you know what would be really funny is if people saw it, they're like, what's that all about? Like, not my circus. (laughs) We hope this was helpful. And again, we're going to leave you with no one complains about binge eating arugula. So let's think about how we think about the food and what we think about it. And I hope that that gives you a little bit of a moment of, oh shit. Yeah. We don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. And as
0: always, Let us know your feedback on this episode. Send us some questions, other things that you need help or would like some help navigating during the holidays. Email us, hello at wholeheartedeating.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram at wholeheartedeatingpod. You can also find me and Christina's Instagrams on there, but we have not really been very active on there. I can tell you that right now. So just Uh. message the podcast. (laughs) Also, some fun things on the horizon coming your way. Um, We are starting to create a lot more bonus content that will be coming your way soon. It is going to be on a Patreon. So you know, most of the time, we don't really do sponsors, right? And so we wanted to create a exclusive community of podcast subscribers that is behind a little bit of a paywall so we can help support the show because this shit ain't free, right? Um, (laughs) So... (laughs) More um, details on that are going to be coming soon, but we have bonus content from our guests. Christina and I are going to be creating more bonus content. It's going to be really fun. There's going to be some holiday stuff in there. There's going to be always a ton of body image, nervous system, GI, eating disorder stuff. But since it's going to be for you all, we would also love to know what other kinds of bonus content would you like to see, hear, watch, all of the things. Um, so please send us some feedback, right? Again, Instagram or email, we'll probably put a survey out soon. So look for that if you're part of the newsletter. Um, yeah. And then look forward to that because it's going to be
1: awesome. I know. I'm really excited about it. And I really would like to hear what people want more of, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that would be really helpful for us. And I mean, sometimes I feel like we're just talking.
0: (laughs) It's what it's like having a
1: podcast. (laughs) I know.
0: It's way better having a co-host though, I can tell you that right now. Because when it was just me, it's like, I am talking into the void.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So let us know what you think. And if you're having a little bit of the of, oh craps, I I went a little hard on Halloween feelings, this episode's for you. And it is your thing to say to yourself it happened. It's okay there's nothing wrong with you you don't have to do anything differently you can just keep on with your life and do the action items that we talked about around those foods (laughs) and see what you what comes up
0: hey friends it's dana and thanks for listening to a wholehearted eating podcast If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your family and friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and if you can, we would absolutely love it if you left a five-star rating review wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps spread the word so more people can find the show and learn how to break out of diet culture, the body image spiral, and find a more peaceful relationship with food in their bodies with Wholehearted Eating. If you're interested in learning more about how you can work with me or Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling or checking out our self-paced courses, head over to wholeheartedeating.com, and we'll see you again here next week.